Welcome back to the Outlaw Country Podcast. Today, we're very excited to be joined today by Charles Wesley Godwin. So, Charles, thank you so much for, for joining us. Happy to be here, man. Well, I know you, your new album is dropping November 5th, How the Mighty Fall. And I was kind of wondering, what's your favorite, what's, what song on there are you most excited for and, and why? Um, so, like, the there's a couple songs on there that, like, mean the most personally to me they all have parts of me in them and you know they all are significant because you know they made it on the album so they're they're significant to me in one way or another um the one that i'm most excited for other people to hear i think is is strong i think that that one's going to be it's a very interesting sounding song i think it's going to give some folks some goosebumps and um then the, as far as like a song that like means the most to me, uh, I think How the Mighty Fall, the title track on there, uh, it's talking about an old woman reaching the end of her days and looking at herself in the mirror and, and that that's setting in. And, you know, that, that song moved me when I wrote it. That's a point in life that we're all going to get to at some point. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that song is, is the one that... Uh, really like moved me the most though when I when I was writing it and I I think you kind of touched on it there the deeper meaning behind those songs that is what I think you there you talk about Nashville country Texas country and Appalachian country and I think Appalachian country leads the pack in songwriting and, and having those like deeper songs that aren't just just surface level like stuff you hear on the radio so I'm ex- I'm ex- really excited to dig into that album Heck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I'm excited for it to get out there. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I've been listening to Lion Low a lot. I love that lead single. I think that really set the tone of the album. I'm, I'm excited to hear the rest. Yeah, that, that song was, was a great one, kind of, you know, and what we thought is, is a good one to release first because it, it gives a sense of place. Um, it does... Uh, it, it kind of shows folks, you know, what my priorities are at the time that this album was being written and made, uh, which is, you know, enjoying home life, uh, being content with where I'm at. And uh, yeah, I, I, I thought that was a, a good song to kind of introduce this album. So when it, it kind of reminds me like the, the feel of it lying low is that something you kind of wrote during quarantine the pandemic no i you know i actually wrote that in december 2019 so i, oh. didn't, even know COVID, I didn't even know what covid 19 was yet <laughs> yeah um, yeah that was the where i was coming from was my son was just born mm-hmm. so to me it, it I had a whole perspective change and uh yeah that song is just about like getting my priorities straight and having a good, healthy work-life balance and just being happy with just existing and thriving at home and not feeling the need to constantly like be chasing more and more and just be happy watching my family grow and spending time with them. And, uh, yeah, not necessarily just always like trying to get more and more. Um, 
yeah, so that, that's kind of where I was coming from with it. And then little did I know that three months later, you, you know, everybody in the country would literally be hunkering down and, yeah. and lying low. Well, you kind of mentioned how you wrote that um, after having your child did, and you kind of, I, I, in your bio, it talks about how um, his album touches on different themes in one's life. How, how soon after uh, you had your child did, did it take you to write this album? Did, was it a long process after? Or did, I know it really influenced you as, uh, in writing it. Yeah, it, I think now being a father, everything that I write going forward is in some way probably influenced by that. But as far as how the Mighty Fall goes, I think um, seven or eight of the songs, probably eight of them were already written before my son was born. Um, so the, I didn't know it at the time, what my next album would be, what the theme would be. I I didn't have any of that in mind, but you know, definitely the, the foundations for what it would become were already, already there. I wrote, um, you know, needle fall down, which is a song on there that that song was written in 2014. Um, it didn't make it on Seneca because it didn't fit. Uh, and it made it on this one because it, it really did fit well with the theme, uh, the common thread between all the songs, which is mortality. And uh, yeah, so yeah, some of these songs were written as, you know, as far back as seven years ago. Wow. And was this stuff you were writing when you were in college? Were you in college in 2014 when you wrote that? Yeah, yeah, I graduated college in 2014. I think I probably wrote Needle Fall Down in the fall. So this is just, I graduated in June 2014. So yeah, this is, you know, Needle Fall Down was written. That's probably one of the first songs I ever wrote, period. And then, uh, yeah, that was just a, a handful of months after I graduated college. And, you know, I was a uh, very, very new songwriter at that point. Okay. And when, when you were making this album, how many songs did you have that you had to, to whittle down to the final cut? Probably had like, I think ones that were actual contenders and ready to go into a studio and record. Probably had oh, 18, 18 or 20 and you know, 12 ended up being what it was. Do you see yourself cutting any of those eight? that that uh down the road that didn't make the cut for this album oh for sure yeah there yeah there's some gems um in there that have been written in the same time frame that the ones that ended up being on this album were but they just didn't fit with with like that common thread of mortality um but yeah there i mean there's some of the songs that mean the most to me that i've ever written that just didn't end up fitting on this album that will be on projects probably in the future if i get the opportunity so is this album kind of, uh, do you want listeners to listen like from beginning to end? Like I know Eric Church does that, for example, with all his albums. It's kind of an art the whole way through. Yeah, I, I, I would recommend that. I think it'd be a good idea. Um, there's definitely, I think people are going to definitely, uh, there, there's going to be songs, just single songs that folks will enjoy, that they can, they can listen to and enjoy as well. But if, I think if they want to get the most out of it, uh, I think it'd be a good idea to listen to to the whole album from start to finish. 
um, then, you know, they, folks can break it up however they want, but I, that's what I would recommend. Oh, I, I appreciate that when, when artists have the sense to make an album that's, that, that flows together like that, that has a common theme. I think it does a great job because I, I don't know, I, to bring up Eric Church again, I feel like his last couple albums, uh, it wasn't like that. They didn't, they didn't flow. It just felt like random songs were pieced together. So like uh, Sturgill's new album, that is one, an album you have to listen to from beginning to end. And I think it does, does a great job for, for the, 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 like the whole premises of the album to shine through. Yeah, I mean that that latest Sergio album was definitely like a you know a concept, um, yeah. and you know how the mighty fall. It's it's uh, definitely not just a random collection of songs. It it has a theme of mortality that I think threads through each of the songs and takes you on a journey. But I'm definitely I, I definitely would not say it's as uh, narrow is it's is it's not as definitely not as focused as you know Sturgill's uh, latest record was. You know that his was very like you know focused on that journey. Of, you know, but this one does have different characters and different narrators. You know, all mixed in, but the the theme is what connects them. Gotcha. Well, um, to talk about your your last album. Uh, Seneca, am I saying that correctly? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was very, very locally focused for um, where you grew up in West Virginia. Um, is is there a reason why, I know you mentioned in your bio that this one isn't as uh, locally focused, doesn't talk as much about West Virginia. Were, were you getting any criticism um, for that from like people outside of West Virginia? Because I know like when I listen to Texas artists, I, I really like, even though I'm not from Texas, when they mention specific things, it really paints a picture in my mind and almost makes me relate, even though I've never been there before. Was there, did you get any pushback or anything like that from fans? No, not at all. Um, I've, I've not heard anybody complain, complain about it. I've really only heard folks just talk about how much they enjoyed it. Yeah. I really like, um, I really like the album, you know, folks are still, people are still finding out about Seneca. And I think there's a lot of people out there that don't even know it exists that are going to love it, <laughs> you know, when they do find out about it. That's going to be one that for years and years, people keep finding out about it. Um, this, this late, this new album, it still has a sense of place. And that's really important to me. And that sense of place is my home here in West Virginia. But it, it's not, uh, really the, the common theme with Seneca was that the, all the songs did take place in West Virginia. That was the thing that, that glued them all together. Um, with this one, that's not what it's about, even though there is that sense of place. This one has that common theme of mortality and living a life, a full life with no regret or a life that, you know, has certain moments that the, the narrator or the character in the song will regret. Okay. Well, with Seneca, how crazy was that for your, your first album to just kind of like do that well and, and really throw you on the scene of country music? I mean, because I first found out about you from uh, he's from West Virginia, Grady Smith on YouTube. Yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He talks about you all the time. And that's how I was like, who is this guy? And I 
a lot of my buddies listen to you. So, I mean, after you're, you've done very well from just one album so far. Yeah, well, man. Uh, that was a, that was a godsend. I was, I was really happy it worked out because um, I'd risked uh, everything that I had at that time to make that album and put it out as best as I could. And I've been pl- paying a lot of hard dues for a number of years and uh, man, I needed a break. So I was really happy that it worked out. And then were, were you, once it released, were, were you just touring like crazy just to get the word out about it? Because you before then you were independent, correct? Yeah, and I, I still am. I have booking and management now, but I make these albums completely independent. Like, I don't have a record label or any anything. Um, the uh, yeah, with Seneca, as soon as it came out, I was still doing my own booking at that time, and I did not have a manager. So, uh, and I'll be the first to admit, I'm a horrible business person. I always say, anytime I'm in a room, everybody in it could rip me off, and I'd shake their hand and thank them for it. Um, so. I was doing my best to book myself. I think at the time that, uh, you know, Seneca came out, I probably had 70 some shows booked for that year. And by the time that I had booking and, uh, that I got booking, I had 53 shows that I had booked myself still on the slate for that year. So, uh, I uh, felt sorry for them. Unfortunately for them, they had to try to work around that because I do keep my word and I played those shows, even though they weren't the best or necessarily in my best interest, to be honest. Um, but I did follow through with all of those and then also played a lot of shows uh, that, you know, my new booking agency, True Grit, had uh, had booked. And that was a hell of an experience, man. That was the first time actually going on some proper tours and uh, really stepped it up a level playing venues and having folks buy tickets. And uh, it was a whole new thing that year. And uh, man, to explain the excitement and the, uh, the joy of feeling something actually working out for the first time in your life uh, was as one of the fondest times of my life. I always look back on that and just, uh, really be uh, just think about how much I enjoyed the ride. I never had anything work out quite like that before professionally. Well, from in from where you are out, where you are now and from where you started, what is something you wish you would have told or would have known before you like when you released Seneca from where you are today? Man, that's a good question. I would probably tell myself that it's going to be all right. It's going to be just fine. Um, I, I stressed a lot and worried a lot. Um, I was in debt before Seneca got released. Um, I went in debt to make it. And uh, <clears throat> that, I mean, I lost sleep over that. So if I could go back and tell myself uh, one thing, it would just be just, just relax. It's going to work out. Cause I was, I was, uh, that, that stressed me out. I feel like a lot of real country music listeners can really um, get behind an artist that, that's gone through that grind that, like you said, went into debt to make something that you were passionate about. And I just see where you are now makes that story just so much sweeter and makes, makes me want to support you a lot more. So I think that's, that's awesome to hear. 
Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, I can definitely say no matter what happens, you know, going forward in my career, uh, good or bad, man, I'll always be able to get on a lie detector and say I paid my dues. <laughs> and that th that thing's going to come back as truthful as can be. Um, I've paid my dues. That's for sure. Well, I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit just about country music as a whole. And first thing I want to know from you is, uh, of course, I, I mentioned this already a little bit, but there's Nashville and then there's Texas country. Um, I find myself just constantly listening to the Appalachian sound like you, Zach Bryan, Tyler Childers, Sturgill. Why do you think there isn't uh, more of a debate there with like getting thrown in there? And do, do you think sooner or later that's going to catch on more? Okay. I, to be honest, I'm totally disconnected from what the country music world like talks about. Uh -huh. I, uh, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing to say, but man, I honestly have no idea what folks are saying. <laughs> like you who do you who do you mainly listen to like uh I, i'm like in my own bubble and everybody i listen to for the most part is older than me i've actually man i've been listening to the hell out of this new uh james mcmurtry uh album uh the horses and the hounds but um as far as like the last couple years like the biggest influences and the, the two folks that i would say like really influenced my writing and the folks that I was listening to the most the last two years was Chris Knight and uh, Bruce Springsteen. Those two really influenced me on this album. But yeah, man, I'm totally out of the whole conversation. I got no idea. Gotcha. Uh, you know, I just enjoy the people that I, I really like. And I try to support anybody that's regional that I know about. There's a lot of people that I don't know about. And that's, you know, it, it, it's my, it's my fault. As soon as I do find out about them, you know, I'll support them as much as I can. Like, you know, uh, a duo that I listen to a lot that's uh, based out of Kentucky is the local honeys. Those girls sound so good. Yeah. And so, man, their, their music's such a vibe. And you talk about like a sense of place. They take you right there. You're in the hills. Um, man, I love their stuff. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I don't really know what folks are debating about or anything about like, all that. I all, The only things that I kind of catch from from just like it's kind of like a news story that you can't help but miss. You know what I mean? Like just if you're even on social media at all. The only thing in, in like the whole country music like world, like comment world and debate world that I that I have caught is like when the turnpike troubadours getting back together yeah that's like the only thing that i know about like that i hear about and i, I really don't know what folks are talking about as far as uh between nashville texas or you know up here in the mountains i'm kind of in my own bubble gotcha well i feel like that's kind of like you listen to Sturgill, right we kind of talked about that he, yeah I, I like what he said kind of how you said you're you're in your own bubble he went to nashville to write music for a little bit when he, i think when he first started and he left and uh he said why would you ever move to the fastest growing city one of the fastest growing cities in america to write songs about country music and i think i think that yeah. great line just being in your own bubble and being back home where you could write real honest stories is is great for country music real country music yeah that's a great point yeah i mean yeah, that's a great point. I, I, I never really 
have articulated that in my mind, but yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing I'm up here on top of the hill, uh, feeding the chickens and watching out for the coyotes and getting ready for hunting season and just mowed, mowed the, the property <laughs> before I came down here. So yeah, I guess that's what I'm doing is just look, keeping it simple. What do you mainly uh, hunt for up in West Virginia? Whitetail deer. That's, that's what I love. You okay. know, I like, I like, hunting whitetail deer and then you know trout fishing but you ever come yeah. come hunting in nebraska i would love to i've gotten a couple <laughs> invites this year so uh i think one of these years i'm gonna have to go out there and, and get one of the big old booners it's sad sad to say i'm lived in nebraska my whole life and i'm going hunting for the first time this year i'm going pheasant hunting I've never gone hunting before. I, I go fishing, but I've never gone hunt, hunting. It's like yeah, it's good, man. You get started. Uh, you're all good. You got a yeah. long life ahead of you. Plenty of years to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited. I my my buddies want to take me pheasant hunting, and that seems I've I've always enjoyed fishing and being outdoors. So I'm just I, and we, I go shooting and stuff. It's just I'm I'm excited. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, man. That that'll be good. I think I think you end up loving it. Especially when you have that first meal. Yeah, that'll be, I'm hoping it, hoping it comes this year. Um, well, when growing up in, growing up, what country artists could you relate the most to while living um, up in West Virginia in cold country? Oh man. Well, John Denver is like the first country, like country singer that any West Virginia kid is exposed to because you, know, you grow up a big Mountaineer fan, country roads. That's what the, the whole stadium stings after the Mountaineers win. And I was going to Mountaineer games. Since, like Those are some of the first memories of my life were being at tailgates and going to Mountaineer games and watching Amos Zeroway play. So, yeah, I mean, John Denver. When you're a West Virginia kid, John Denver is the first country singer you ever hear of. And then you hear about Hank Williams. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's how it goes here. Okay. Well, like, uh, were there any, like, uh, country artists that were, uh, when you were younger, that were kind of making songs about coal, like coal miners or coal country like that when you were growing up? I mean, you know, everybody, like Randy Travis, okay. Kathy Matea. Um, but yeah, when I was growing up, uh, so much of what I listened to, I, I didn't grow up very musical. I didn't sing or play when I was growing up. My dad would listen to oldies music on the radio, which is basically like the top 40 from the sixties and the seventies. Okay. So I was listening to the Beatles and CCR, um, and Bob Dylan and, uh, you know, Led Zeppelin and that kind of stuff um and then like just as far as like the the influences on me like from from like friends and kids my age I, like like i said i wasn't very musical so i just was like exposed to the radio okay. whatever was on top 40 i never was like yeah i just i was all about sports man so i, I didn't i'm sure there are folks that were singing about cold country and things like that mm -hmm. but other than like some of those, some of those real successful mainstream country artists, which had great songs, Kathy Matea is like the the queen of country music in West Virginia. She's from South Charleston. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I, I wasn't really, uh, so I wasn't like a, uh, I'm not like that guy that's like the country music. It's like 
encyclopedia. I wish, but I just didn't grow up that way. I was more concerned with playing basketball and football. So if you had to get, if you had to pick like between uh, John Denver or Hank Williams, who, who are you going with? As far as like a, what do you mean? Like as far as the like if you, who, greatness who, who in you country music be? history or somebody that influenced me? Like if you could only listen to one. Oh, if I could only listen to one? Yeah. Man, I'm going with John Denver. I'm a Mountaineer. <laughs> and that, that 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 is, I mean, I can't not listen to Country Roads as a Mountaineer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm going John Denver. And were you, you were, weren't you trying to play ball for West Virginia? Oh, dude. Yeah. And I always got to set this straight. Like I tried and I failed. I got cut. Like I never even made the team. I tried out three times and got cut all three. It's heartbreaking. I really wanted to do it and I worked really hard too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a, uh, a good lesson in life that, you, you know, things don't always work out. That was a, as an adult, that was like my first taste and just utter failure. And that's embarrassing, man, because, you know, all your friends know that you're trying to do that. They know how much time that you're working out for something like that, and yeah. training for it, and then to fail three times in a row, just boom, boom, boom. Uh, man, that it sucks having to face that. I mean, everybody's cool about it, but just for your own pride to, to, uh, to know that, that you just utterly failed and everybody knew it. I mean, getting getting D one looks that's that's not easy though. No, I didn't. No, here I didn't even get D one looks though. I was just trying. I was trying to walk on. Oh, it was like a walk on tryout. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like I like I got to make this very clear. I suck. I was what position. Did you play? What position were you? <laughs> I was a linebacker. I was a linebacker. okay. That's what I played. That's what I played. Yeah, yeah and I love football and I loved hitting, but I got to make that very clear. I sucked. And I was not good enough to make that Mountaineer football team, no matter, you know, as bad as I wanted to, you know, I did, I did fail. I sound like every, every Nebraskan's dream is to run out of the tunnel, play for the Huskers, no matter, even if we are three and three right now. I mean, yeah, I think, I think you guys have the coach that'll get it, get it turned around. Um, I hope so. He's made some, some, boneheaded mistakes I, I feel like I think he's he's really figuring out power five football right now I think we yeah. are improving though but I think I think he will figure it out though man you look what he did at UCF and you turn that into a power five team now yeah. they're going to be in the right. big 12 because of what he did basically um I think he'll figure it out gotta have gotta have that fortitude to just mm-hmm. just give it time that's that's hard for schools to do nowadays they want to Rush, rush, rush. Why aren't we winning national championships two years, three years in? You know what I mean? Especially our fans. Gotta gotta get gotta be patient. Gotta be patient if you want to take down those big dogs. Yes. Yes. It takes time. And mm-hmm. it's not the easiest place to recruit. Dude, Lincoln's cool though. I gotta say. Have you played it? Is, it, is, it is cool. I haven't played there yet, but my lead guitarist, uh, his birthday was uh, at the beginning of August, and we were going from Central Kentucky out to Oregon for a run of shows, and uh, we stopped in Lincoln for his birthday night, got, you know, had, like, a killer meal and went out, had fun, man, had a, you know, 
it, it was a great time. It was a, that's a nice little downtown area there. Did you go like to college bars or did you just go to like some normal, normal bars down there? Like, were they like, cause like there's O street down in Lincoln. I know you're probably only there for like one night. There's like a ton of college bars. It's just like packed with people. Man, there were a bunch of bars. Like I was in like that nice little part of downtown. Uh, the students weren't in town though. So I don't know if they're college bars or not, mm-hmm. but it didn't come like they were real nice. Like it came off to me. Like it was nice, clean, so maybe oh, it was the, might be the adult bars instead of the college bars I was in. But I think you were probably you're probably in the rail yard, which is that is right by my apartment where where oh, I was. Yeah, yeah, because that's like the nice like upscale bar area, kind of by where they play basketball and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we we had to park the van actually in that that like arena big parking lot area. Like just okay. Down from the hotel. And yeah, we went out like right in that little part of downtown, which was, yeah, it was like a nice clean part of downtown, but everything like business, everything was like bars and restaurants. It was pretty cool. Yeah. That's a, that's a really cool area. Yeah. You were right, right by where I, where my apartment's at. Nice. Nice area. It's fairly new. But speaking of college, you know, you started playing music and you were studying abroad in Estonia, right? Yeah. What what were you studying that brought you over there in the first place? I, I was getting a finance degree. Um, I do have a finance degree, even though I'm as bad as I am at business. Um, but yeah, I, I was. West Virginia has a really good study abroad program. Uh, they laid out the different options and places that I could go and still get credits towards my degree, take classes, you know, and keep moving forward. And uh, I chose Estonia. It just seemed like the best option for me, the most interesting to me. And uh, that's where I went. And I just kind of, by luck or fate, uh, it turned into me somehow playing music in front of people over there and making a few bucks and then deciding I wanted to keep doing that when I got back. Um, When you were over there playing for like some of your buddies, was it was it local from Estonia or was it other West Virginia students? No, it was, it was uh, other international students. Oh, okay. Who I lived with. My roommates were, you know, a Spaniard and a, a Mexican, a Palestinian, and an Italian, and uh, and a Latvian. Yeah, so quite quite the, you know, just a jumble of folks from all around the world and a West Virginian, you know, me. So yeah, you know, I, I was just playing for my own enjoyment as a hobby. It kind of become a hobby. That was a little bit, it was a productive hobby that I do in the evenings. I enjoyed doing it, just kind of playing songs that I wanted to just to myself. And it just kind of turned into a thing where they would listen and uh, I didn't have anywhere else to go. I was in my own bedroom. Like, where else am I going to go? So I just I wasn't necessarily comfortable with it, but I'd play for them. And then it, it turned into, uh, you know, it just turned into a thing. And, uh, yeah, I never I never foresaw that. I never planned on that, for sure. So I'm assuming probably none of them had really ever been exposed to country music before like that. No, yeah, they all thought I would, they thought I sounded like I was from Texas. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, they thought like, you know, 
they thought that I guess my accent was like super thick. And I was telling them, I was like, guys, you know, I, you know, I might sound a certain way, but like, you know, you ought to hear a Texan if you think I sound like I'm from Texas, you know, and it was kind of funny that they, they thought I was, uh, you know, like George Strait or something, <laughs> you know, that's definitely not the case. You know, I am what I am, but yeah, I'm definitely not, not king of the rodeo. Did you, did they uh, really, like, since I know a lot of the songs you wrote were, like you said, um, really focused locally. Were they ever relating or could really understand some of the stuff you were talking about from West Virginia or judge explain some of that to them? Well, I mean, at that time I hadn't even started writing songs yet. I was just playing like this thing was just, it was purely just a hobby and me just like playing some songs I enjoy um, that I could knew how to play. Cause I only knew like three chords. Uh, yeah. I hadn't even started writing songs yet. I didn't start writing songs until I decided that I might want to do this like as a job for a living. And then I knew, well, I got to make my own music if I'm going to do that. So that's how I got started into songwriting. And then once I started it, you know, I found, I was like, I really enjoy this. And it became, it became like the thing that I love is songwriting and singing. Now those are like kind of my things. I always work on the guitar, but I still suck to the guitar, to be honest. I'm always practicing it. Doesn't sound too bad on the record. Yeah, I take lessons and I'm always working on it. But man, starting when you're 20 years old, that's a late start to become a real good guitar player. But uh, the singing came natural. Um, it took some work to work the influences out of my voice. That's hard to do to to not sound like the people that you're you listen to. Um, but once I got that, I mean, that was just all natural. Uh, and then the songwriting. Uh, is something that I, I came to find that I really loved. When, when you are writing a song, do you tend to uh, just write the lyrics first, or do you tend to kind of find hear a melody you like, or hum something you like, or how does that work? Yeah, it kind of starts with with a with a tune with a line, kind of both at once, and then I build from there. Um, yeah, they'll kind of, sometimes it'll be just the melody first or maybe just a line, but usually it'll be, it'll be kind of like a line with, with, with a little tune to it, you know, together at once. And then that's kind of what I build off of. When, when you were, and then when you were playing abroad for your roommates, what, uh, if you were kind of doing cover songs, what, what, what songs would you play? I play them um, like Bruce Springsteen. John Denver and then Ava Brothers songs because Ava, Ava Brothers songs I could play at the beginning like they had real just like GCD type chords and and I could I could play them and I really like the Ava Brothers so yeah those are like the some of the the bare bones like beginning songs that I was learning that's really cool and especially like being able to just kind of share that music with with most people from all across the world, or at least your roommates at the time, they probably had never heard any of that before. No, not at all. Yeah, I think it, it kind of changed their perspective on music for sure. Um, well, you kind of talked about being signed to True Grit. Uh, what, what was that like? And have any of the artists that are also under True Grit kind of helped you along the way since you've been signed? Yeah, um, getting with True Grit and 
getting a team behind me to, to fill in all my weaknesses was a game changer. It changed my life. It changed, uh, you know, my family's life and the, the prospects that I have going forward in the future. Um, it's, I mean, I can't express enough how grateful I am for it. Um, before, before True Grit, nobody had ever pulled the trigger on me, even after Seneca came out. And, and all these folks were listening to it and enjoying it. And yeah, you know, you know, I, I go places and, and play, you know, 10 hours away and people would be singing the words of the songs that nobody pulled the trigger on me. Yeah. And True Grit came along and pulled the trigger on me. So that earned my loyalty for sure. I'll always be grateful for that. And then, uh, you know, you know, the one other artist at True Grit that's really helped me so much and brought me out on the road with them a whole bunch the last couple of years has been Ward Davis. Uh, he's one of the best songwriters I know. Yeah, he's one of the best songwriters I know. He's become like a, another big brother to me. And he's taught me a lot about life and this whole music business and keeping a balance. He's learned the hard way with a lot of things. And he's, he's taught me those lessons that he's learned. And uh, yeah, I can't express enough how grateful I am for, for Ward for allowing me to come on, out on the road with him as much as he, he has. He seems like a, I've seen him a lot of times. He seems like a really nice guy. I mean, his, everything he puts out, it just, it, it'll, it's, it's sad stuff, but the songwriting is so good. Like his last album he just put out and then his, EP asunder. I, both of those are just home runs. I don't think he really writes anything bad. I'm, he's he's one guy that doesn't get enough credit. Like, and it like he he writes some of Cody Jinx's biggest hits, and I just feel like he just kind of flies under the radar. And it's I I hate that because I he should be way bigger than he is. He's one talented. I know. I know. I'm with you. All all of his co-writes put it put the songs out before he does. Mm-hmm. He needs when they when they finish one. He needs to run to the studio and put it out first. <laughs> Didn't he write uh, "I'm Not the Devil" for Cody Jinx? Yeah, that's a, yeah. It's a that's a great song. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's we like here our podcast. The reason me and my cousin started it, we wanted to promote those guys that we feel like really deserve it. So we 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 love promoting a lot of the guys from True Good. You, Cody Jinx, Whitey Morgan, Ward. I just I think those guys don't get the credit they deserve. I agree. I'm with you. Well, when you're on the road traveling, um, I know you're probably touring a lot uh, lately since we finally are back to normal. What, what are some things you do um, just kind of make you feel normal or, or keep your mind um, off traveling? Like, do you do anything like in a van, like watch movies or anything like that? Yeah. There's two things really that kind of, well, three, but one of them is obvious. Like I always FaceTime back home um, with my wife and my son at least at least once a day, but most oftentimes like two or three times. Um, but then another thing that I do, man, I go for – I run when I'm on the road. Um, in the mornings I get up and at least get like a 5K in. Uh, sometimes I, I get even more in, and that makes me feel like a normal person. makes me feel like I'm actually living. And then, uh, you know, the other thing that kind of keep, keeps like the foot back home is I keep up with sports. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I'm watching, I'm watching the Mountaineers when we're in the van. I'm watching the Steeler game. I'm watching Formula One. Like I'm, I'm kind of keeping up with sports and it kind of 
even though I'm in a van, it kind of brings me back like I'm in my own living room a little bit. You keep up with the UFC at all? You watch that? Yeah. 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 The last, the last fight that I bought was that uh, Dustin Poirier fight against McGregor. Um, yeah, I love well, I love to see Dustin win, though, man. He's, he's a champion. I think that guy, uh, I, I, I like him. I'm a big fan of his. And, uh, but yeah. Yeah, so we watch fights like this Saturday. We're going to be in Memphis uh, playing at Growlers. And then um, that night is that Tyson Fury. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fury Wilder fight. Uh-huh. And uh, we'll probably try to catch that. Warrior just got uh, – he just got booked to fight Charles Oliveira for the title. Yeah, yeah, and he should. You know, he, he, he uh, didn't he – relinquish the title to to get the to get a fight or something yeah he I think like he the, turned down the title fight to fight mcgregor again and then yeah, yeah. now he's fighting charles Oliveira. i think the next thing for mcgregor is he needs to they need to do diaz mcgregor three that's the only thing that makes sense they're both kind yeah. of and they both yeah, need yeah they, i agree with you I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to go talking shit, but I agree with you for sure. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah um, they, they ought to do that. Uh, I was kind of a different question. Um, but I know you've probably seen on Spotify how they have like your top top artists at the end of the year. If you had to guess right now, like your top three at the end of 2021 right now, who do you think it would be that you've been listening to? Um. At the pace it's going, man, it's going to be James and Mercury. Like that, I've been listening to that new album of his on repeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be the one. Well, uh, who who would be like your other two for like for your top three? The other two, let me see here. Oh, I've been listening to a lot of Chris Knight still, and then. Who's the third? Probably Towns Van Zandt. I was listening to a lot of Towns Van Zandt this summer. Kind of like been like about a year, year and a half since I've really listened to him very much. And then like this summer, I listened to him like nonstop for like two months. So I feel like I, I never really got into Towns Van Zandt until uh, I started listening to, you know, who Vincent Neil Emerson is? Mm hmm. He he talks about him a lot and gets a lot of influence from him, and so that's kind of I haven't li- I haven't dove much into him, but I know Vincent Neil Emerson gets a lot of uh, influence from him, so I've I've just dabbled a, a little bit. I should probably oh yeah dive in there yeah. Did he did he he originally sang "Waiting Around to Die" right? Yes. I I like I listen to the Whitey Morgan version a lot. I think that one's super badass, and that's that's probably like. The, and I, I dabble a little bit with Towns Van Zandt. That's like the main thing I know about him. Is that that's originally his song. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You ought to dive in, man. You'll get you'll get lost in there for about a year. I'll have to check It'll, it. Out. If it hadn't connected with you yet, yeah, just keep listening to it, and then there'll just be one day it just it just hits, and you just get it. Yeah. I, I like that a lot with with music. Be like, I don't. I don't like something and I'll, I'll keep giving it a chance, giving it a chance. Like uh, Tyler Childers, Country Squire, that album. 
I was not a big fan of it at first and I, but I, I bought it on vinyl. So I wasn't going to not listen to it. And, and then finally I, I spun it a few times and I, that's one of my favorite albums. I, it's weird. And I, I don't know why I'm like that, but it, sometimes it just takes time for it to grow on me. That's, that's good to hear, man. That's good. Um, kind of back to the Spotify thing, or I don't know if you have Apple music or what, but what is an ironic or unlikely song or artist you have on your, your phone right now that you listen to a lot so i still actually have i'm i'm pretty i guess i'm like old-fashioned now even though like it seems like it's still new i, I buy my music on itunes uh, oh, still um man who's some so the, like the question is like somebody that somebody wouldn't expect to be on my eye yeah or like, um, a, like a guilty pleasure or something oh man let me look here like i'd say my guilty pleasure is I, I love Rascal Flats. Okay, I got you. I mean, man, I I just listen to things that I love. Um, so I guess folks might be surprised that I have the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse soundtrack album on here. Is that for is that for your kid? Yeah, because my son will calm down if he's having a rough go of it in the car. I can turn that on; he calms down. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything on here I don't think would surprise folks that much. Well, yeah, because I'm buying because I'm buying it. You know what I mean? So to buy it, I I really got to be invested in it. So yeah, I don't really have any surprises. Well, that, I, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I don't think I would have guessed that one. And that's a nice little weapon to have in your back pocket, though, if you need yes, it. It works every time. The, the next one like that, I got to get the Moana soundtrack. He loves that, that Moana oh, yeah, movie, yeah. so got to get that on there. There you go. Um, just a few more questions for you. I was wondering, for November 5th, uh, should we expect any more singles to drop for your album? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'll be two more. Okay. Is it anytime soon, like for any of them? Can you yeah, this this week's going to be one. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, this week uh, we got one coming. Good. I'm excited. I've been I've been checking like each night. We're Central Time here, so Friday like 11. I I've been flipping to see if there's anything more coming from your album. I've Lion Low made me want like keep coming back for more. So I, I'm excited. That's good. Well, that was the whole purpose of it. It was kind of set the stage, set the place. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we got one coming this week and then another one at the, uh, you know, coming up. And my, my last question for you, is there any chance um, uh, with the new season of Yellowstone or anything, is there any chance we could see your music in there? I don't know, man. I, I don't know who whoever decides that. Maybe they probably don't even know I exist. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think my wife and I, we love that show. Um, Such a good show. Yeah. The soundtrack's killer. The scenery's killer. The the whole story, it's like the Western Sopranos is killer. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if I, I, they probably, whoever decides the music for that show probably doesn't even know I exist. But uh, if they do, if they did know that that my music is out there, um, and if they ever listened to it, they probably know that some of it would be a good fit. But they get a lot of guys from True Grid. I know it's the the director Taylor Sheridan. He's from Texas, and so like all of his movies have that type of music in it. And that made me a fan of his. 
I, I got your music working in nicely for that. I got to say, man, I, that would make me look really cool in front of my wife if uh, one of my songs <laughs> were, were to pop up there on Yellowstone. I think, I think she would. Uh, I think that would definitely impress her. So I'm all for that. They got they got two spinoffs coming too. I don't know if you've heard about that. The, uh-uh. uh, they got it's like Yellowstone, like 1860 something. It's about how they got the the ranch. And then they have another one where it's like Yellowstone 6666. And it's about like a ranch down in Texas. And I don't know how they're like crossing over, but I'm, a, I'm excited. I, I, everything Taylor Sheridan makes is good. Yeah. He, is he, did he make uh, Hell or High Water? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you then. Anything that guy makes, I'm in for. Because that movie was like one of my favorite ones in the last handful of years. He he, had, he I think wrote the script for Sicario, and then he also did Wind River. If you've seen those as well, dude, yeah, yeah, those are both really like I love both of those movies too. So yeah, that guy's right down my alley. Yeah, he's he's a hell of a director. I know he, that my brother is really big into movies, and so I guess uh, he's such a cowboy on set to get around. He like rides on a horse like to get from place to place. So hell yeah. <laughs> Well, Charles, that's all I've got for you today, but I, I appreciate you joining me, man. I've, I've enjoyed it, and we're looking forward to your new album, November 5th, so we'll make, we'll make sure to promote it and get the word out. Hell yeah, man. I appreciate you having me on. I, honestly, it's a huge help, you know, helping me spread the word, and yeah, I can't, I, I appreciate it so much. Yeah, let's let's do it again soon, man. Hell yeah. All right. Well, you, hey, you have a good night, man. I'll, uh, we'll we'll Promote them, promote the album and keep in touch. Right on, brother. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. In an outlaw state of mind.